I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, dammit! Ah, we'll have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You wanted your file? I found you your file. You wanted out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you no use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I knows you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was gonna love me? Who, who was gonna make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets your shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost it right this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I want to be this company's hands. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and if I had two cats, I would have Marcos. Ooh! <laughs> I was like, wait, is this a quote from the movie? And it isn't, but it's even, it's, it's great. It's a terrible yeah. joke. Yeah, I mean, I always vote Marcos. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's a tote bag. I always yes, vote Marcos. I always vote Marcos. Yeah, vote Marcos. Marcos Blanc. Blanc. <laughs> Marcos Blanc. Yeah, yeah. Marcos Blanc 2024. Oh my god. <laughs> that would be great. Oh man. I am I am I like I'm so excited this week. Uh folks, obviously we are here to talk about the copious BSAs of 2018's remake of Dario Argento's Suspiria and I I feel like you really took a leap you were like yeah you know what I think I could do Suspiria I think you know it's so out of your like typical it's it's two and a half hours it's kind of a horror movie I mean like there must be a third thing about it I, I didn't think you would like but sure uh but yeah it was like you took a risk and I am sitting here wondering like Oh man, is this Nick's come from away? What what is this conversation about <laughs> <No>. to be? <laughs> it's certainly not. I really, really liked it. I think that this is like I was trying to think of like all the movies that like add up to Suspiria because of course as we all know, this is a remake. Um when did the original come out? In the seventies, right? Yeah, nineteen seventy seven. Okay. Um I feel like so obviously like the movies I'm about to mention came after nineteen seventy seven, but I feel like it's like or maybe not, though. Uh, the first movie that it reminded me of was Rosemary's Baby. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know who who came first, Rosemary's Baby or Suspiria, but um, there's that. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of like some midsummer vibes, especially mm-hmm. at the end. And I would say like, I was going to say Black Swan, too. Like Black Swan sure. wishes it was Suspiria. You know what I mean? That's a really interesting, like, double feature is Suspiria and Black Swan. Oh, I love that. Sign yeah. Me up. Yeah. Because, yeah, and, and both of them, I love that, like, both movies are also just, like, at their heart, they are nerding out about the power of dance, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, I, the Rosemary's Baby connection is, is totally there. I mean, this is definitely, while it's a remake of the 70s version of Suspiria, it is so different. And so I think a lot of, I mean, there's certainly a coven of witches and whatnot, but like the, the 70s version doesn't have the same Rosemary's Baby feeling that this does. This has big Ruth Gordon energy with some of these ladies. Yeah, I did watch um, before uh, we recorded like a 
15-minute YouTube, like, just to kind of... Because I was a little confused at the end, and I needed sure. another explanation. But it, it did kind of um, spell out the difference between the endings of the first movie, like the original and this one, which I found really interesting because they're not the same ending at all. No, the big twist at the end does not happen in the original. And so that's to say anyone... Because Asperia flew a little bit under the radar. So if you are... Not that we ever have spoiler-free episodes, but, like truly this is a movie you need to see not knowing what's going to happen so big yes. spoiler uh huge mistake big mistake to keep <laughs> listening um but anyway big spoilers yes in the original it does not turn out that Susie banyan is mother superiorium or whatever i know even i was like wait what <laughs> yeah i believe the quote is i am she yes i stood up metaphorically i was like you bitch that is like the 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 stones that she had in that moment to just be like i am she and i was like oh i forgot how good that moment is uh but but i had seen this movie a few times i've heard a few episodes podcast episodes about it i was on a podcast episode about it so i've had more of a chance to figure this movie out because it there's so much going on yeah it's one of those things where as i knew uh, the ending you kind of go back and it'd be interesting to retrace the steps of like mm-hmm. things to catch and watch out for because it is a twist now I, I will say this are you a fan are you a diehard of the original do you like the remake more or is it just like I like them both for different reasons and which ending do you like better so the original is like visually a really incredible movie. Yeah, it's I saw the clips. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, it's like very like vivid colors. Like you know, there's kind of like uh, similar to how there's like an Almodovar red. There's a Suspiria red, which is yeah. pretty much the same red. Sure. Um, but and I mean the music. Yeah. Did you get a chance to listen to that clip? I did. Uh, it was. It's so. It it feels like so up your alley because it reminds me of the other score that you. Maybe it was on your episode in the details, or did you assign me another score to listen to that was really like synthy and like and jarring? Maybe I know I've talked about this on in the details, so maybe it was who I don't remember. I don't, maybe it'll come back to me, but um, maybe the Omen that was. One oh yeah, I yeah, guess. that's what it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the score to the original by this Italian band Goblin is, I think, one of the best movie scores done you know period end that. of sentence i think it is so beautiful and so incredible and i cannot fucking believe that that is from 1977 because there is music today that is trying to sound like goblin and it's yeah. just incredible how fresh it still feels and um so those like those elements i love about the original but the remake takes the original concept of Susie goes to a dance academy in Germany and it turns out it's run by a coven of witches and it just takes it into the stratosphere. It just expands it into so much more. It sets it in this like specific political climate and like the certain historical era that I don't even know enough about to like talk about, but like it, it gives it so many different layers and there's so much meaning and like the idea of Susie being a Mennonite is not in the original and like, you know, Dr. Klemperer isn't in the original, like all of that stuff isn't there. So they just like took this idea and just like turned it into something so much richer. And so I love the remake. I think it's a pound for pound, a much stronger movie, even though the original is so influential and so beautiful and all that. Yeah. Um, And I love 
the ending to the remake, and I really appreciated it watching it this time of like, ugh. I, like watching it knowing that Susie Banyan was going to pull a Dakota Johnson on, on Ellen by the end. Do you know what I yes. mean? Yes. She was going to just calmly destroy everyone. It was so satisfying knowing that's the direction it was going, you know? Oh, yeah, because the whole time you're thinking it's Tilda. You're thinking it's uh-huh. her that she is in, like, I knew something was up. I don't, I mean, oh, gosh, there's so much to dissect in that last scene. So I don't know. Maybe we we hold off and, and talk about it because that is, like, oh, the yeah. pinnacle. So but maybe that's just, like, a little appetizer there for you of what we're going to chat about. But I really did like it. There, I mean... Poor Olga. That's all I got to say. That scene was a lot to watch. That scene was, uh, especially the hooks. Oh, my God. I was like, oh. But um, not really scary, I will say. Like some graphic, gory sort of stuff. But I'd say this is like, this is a good barometer for future movies for us, I Mm -hmm. feel like. I think, you know, Suspiria is not the same as... I don't know, another movie, you know, I mean, obviously Hereditary is in its own like stratosphere yeah. of scary, but yeah, I think this is a good one. I'm I'm glad to have this under my belt and it's, it was gorgeous to watch. Yeah. And I, as I was watching it, of course, I was thinking like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if you're going to be into this. And I felt like you were, and, and I, I was also feeling like, yeah, this isn't too scary. No. The, the Olga scene is the worst one. And I usually skip it on rewatches yeah. to be honest, Oof. because it's too violent. And like for anyone who hasn't watched why are you still listening? No, but anyone <laughs> who hasn't watched, there's a scene where this one girl is just like the, the the music to the scene in the soundtrack is called Olga's Destruction, and it's it is just this like literally breaking of this woman and, and turning her into like you know a, a garlic knot, you know, who wets yes. her pants and dies. Oh, it's so tragic. Um, but you know, don't go against Madame Blanc. Don't go hey. against the company. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what you get, uh, you know, and it's, and, and there's so much about that even that like, I still even, so the podcast that I love, Gay Lords of Darkness, um, this is like one of their favorite movies. And so they've done three or four episodes on Suspiria. Um, I did an episode with them on Suspiria. So if <gasps> no anyone wants way. to hear that. Yeah. Oh my God. So on the remake? On the remake, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't so, yeah. wait for that. I should have. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't shouldn't have listened to it before this, but I can't wait to listen after. Oh yes. Right, because that'll be. Oh yeah, because you know this movie, but it, they love this movie. They and I think I've developed a deeper appreciation of it because of how much they've dug into it. Sure. Um, but for anyone who wants to hear that, their their episode titles are always insane, and I think that episode title is uh, a hefty bag full of baby arms, which. <laughs> Appropriate. was uh, appropriate for who shows up at the end of the movie in sunglasses. Yes. Oh, my yeah. God. That <laughs> yeah, so gross. Yeah, so gross. But indeed, it is so much more of a like just like this intriguing, weird, dark, gothic, slow burn drama um, that then just like goes insane in that last then that climactic sequence i just think the movie is like and i am emptying the tank here oh yeah i was like i'm ready to be done with this scene i need to like come up for air but it's uh-huh. there was still like five more minutes like i looked at it at a certain like the time left in the movie and there was still like 25 minutes i was like what 
else could possibly happen in this movie? Right, right. Oh, she has a chest vagina. Great. Yep, there it is. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, for anyone who who doesn't care, isn't will watch the movie later. For anyone who doesn't know what Suspiria is, I kind of briefly summarized it, but it is about about this uh, this young woman, Susie Banyan, who is you know uh, a Mennonite, like the you know Pennsylvania or oh no Ohio farm country. She's yes. from Ohio, and it's like the movie is set in like 1976, and she uh, goes to Berlin to audition at the. Uh, uh, Tons group, uh, you know, uh, dance academy, and uh, she gets it. Yeah, sorry, Madame Blog's Marcos Tanz company, but I guess group is. Gr- I don't know. I don't know my German for That's my. All right, elbow. I would have believed either one. Yeah, believe me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, among the so many other things being talked about and and explored and, and, you know, suggested in this movie, uh, the dance Academy is run by a coven of witches and, um, including Tilda Swinton, uh, who plays, uh, Madame Blanc, who is the head instructor at the Academy. As if that wasn't enough, Tilda Swinton is also playing this old man, Dr. Klemperer, who yes. is getting caught up in the intrigue there when Patricia comes to his office looking for help at the beginning of the movie, because she was, kind of one of the witches earlier um you know one of their one of their earlier attempts to i think the whole idea is to help revive mother marcos using like the the souls of these girls or something like that yeah it's like for harry potter fans i feel like it's like voldemort was too weak for human form and they're trying to get a new vessel or something like that you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it, it does have kind of the structure of like a Rosemary's Baby or a Stepford Wives or a horror movie where like, you know, uh, then Patricia disappears and then Olga, you know, uh, clearly knows something's going on and then she gets killed. And then, uh, you know, Sarah, one of the other dancers, at the Academy played by Mia Goth, who befriends Susie, then she starts to, you know, get suspicious and she finds out about this you know, secret room full of porcelain and hooks and, um, and it, and this is, you know, uh, this is maybe 20% of the movie. (laughs) I know. I, 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 but you're doing well. It's like, it's, it's hard to categorize or not categorize, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. There are layers. There are layers for sure. Well, you know, in the original, it's kind of like each of like, I don't, there were, yeah, each of those beats happens in the original and like, you know, Patricia dies and Sarah, you know, has this like long sort of set piece where then she gets killed um, in the original. And then, you know, meanwhile, like Susie spends so much time like in bed and like under a hazy spell and feeling kind of weak and weird. And then at the end, you know, has kind of a brief investigation, finds the main witch, kills her and escapes. Like it doesn't feel like Susie gets to do very much in the original. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that here. But then, chest vagina. Eventually, Susie gets to basically do everything. It's um, wild. It's nuts. And, and and the whole movie is basically all women. It's uh, dancers. It's the women at the academy. It's Tilda Swinton in uh, Miss, Mr. Doubtfire drag as yeah. Dr. Klepperer. Yes, that's true. Uh and and it's Tilda Swinton as Mother Marcos at the end. I know. I didn't know that. I actually forgot that she was uh, Dr. Klemperer as well, too. It took me a second. I was like, who is that actor? And then 
I feel it was like well into the movie that I remember that you said she played more than one character. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, if we were to identify one deserving BSA should have had Oscar recognition, I feel like Tilda Swinton, nobody's worked harder than Tilda Swinton in Suspiria. What do you think happened there? I was like looking at the awards and is it just, I, I this is like a sub question to that. Do you feel that there is a, a hesitation for nominations like this when it's a remake of a movie? Like I can't think of any remake other than West Side Story just because it just happened mm. where, you know, the actors are recognized or, or it's that good or it elevates, you know, I, I don't know. I think Suspiria, you know, I feel like it's a couple of things. I feel like being a remake, there is that, there, you know, there's probably a little bit of that. Being a remake of an Italian horror movie, it's like, okay, what the hell is this? You know, and, and it just, I think, I think to be honest, I think a lot of people just didn't get it or didn't like how different it was from the original. Didn't, I mean, like the original is, it's so much more about just like, the plot is is much thinner and there's so there's certainly more violence and more you know uh visual imagery and kind of more um more of this like horror movie fairy tale that is certainly very entertaining but is very uh simple in other ways whereas i feel like this this, this remake was kind of like the sasha valor of horror movies like it was trying to yes. say so much and i think for a lot of purists it was like uh stop giving me woke suspiria you know what i mean um which i think is totally an unfair call i think it is totally a, it, yeah. is, it is so just like dumb fanboy response um but i really I, I do i feel like a lot of people didn't really get this movie and it just didn't get the same the attention that like it should have gotten or the appreciation it should have gotten and so i think that just kept it out of any oscars or any other awards consideration yeah i feel like there's also just like the stigma of horror movies you know i can't really think of any horror movie maybe besides like and this is i, I don't know how you would categorize get out you know, like a psychological sort of thriller horror movie too. But like in recent years, I guess, that has had acting nominations or any sort of Oscar uh, buzz or nominations. It's very rare. I mean, like Get Out is certainly the most recent example. And I feel like it's, I don't know. I, I don't ever think of Get Out as a horror movie. Not that it's not scary, but I think it's like, I think of it as so much more than like, even more than us to like kind of compare to another Jordan Peele movie. I think the movie us is, even though that also has a lot of like, you know, uh, there's a message and a metaphor there. I think that feels so much more like a horror movie than, than get out did. Sure. You know, I don't know. I don't know why horror movies don't get the recognition that other movies do for things like acting categories, because I kind of feel like as a genre, it's like, it is so it's ripe with opportunities to give incredible performances for example, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, horror and comedy. It's just like, mm -hmm. make room at the table because yeah. Tony Collette's coming, you know? Right. I mean, one of these days, you know, <laughs> one of these days got Tony Collette in Suspiria. Who would she play in Suspiria? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I one mean, of the I... more featured players of the women, but. Uh... Yeah, maybe she would be. 
<laughs> the one oh, who like man. runs out and like screams at Dr. Klemper. Yes, that one. Oh my God, I love <laughs> she that. She was crazy. I, I had my eye on her the whole time. Yeah, she was nuts. I think she is Miss Huller. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these women. I mean, my favorite um, My favorite of the coven is Miss Vendigas, the one with the purple sunglasses. Yes. I, The house mother. I live for her. I think she is such a great little like featured ensemble character. Uh, I love like when they all go out to dinner, like towards the end of the movie and how she's like, she's just like chewing with her lips. She's just, she's always got these lips out and it just, I think she's just so fascinating in some ways. Yeah. There's a little bit of like, um, you know, just because it's at the top of my head or on the top of my mind, what am I trying to say here? Uh, A little bit of the witches energy, all these women together, Mm -hmm. kind of just like, you know, putting their fingertips together. Like who can we get next? Yeah, I love that we have done the witches and now we're doing Suspiria because that's another great double feature. And like, I mean, you know, Mother Marcos and the Grand High Witch with her mask off. I mean, hello. You know what I mean? Like they're both these like all just these grotesque monsters. I love that. Yeah. Um, And yeah, all of the women have that kind of. The, similar to the witches, they have that feeling of like, oh, that could be your great aunt Mabel. That could be, you know, uh, Phyllis down the street. Like they do have kind of that like nice old lady quality. Yeah. Little do they know. Little do they know. Uh, but you know, uh, among among the ladies in the cast, I mean, I think we need to. I, I, I we may death itself may be brought from the bowels of hell to blow our heads up if we don't acknowledge. Mother Suspiriorium herself, Susie Dakota Johnson, oh who kind of brought us to this movie thanks to Cha Cha Real Smooth and Sonia Morgan's My Lost Daughter and that moment on Ellen. Um, how was it to see the mom from Cha Cha Real Smooth now as like the mother of size? I know. Ugh, what a transition. I mean, I love her. I, I, it, I, I love her even more. I feel like. She has to win an Oscar one day. Like, I just feel like she is one of those... You un- Like, it makes me want to watch the Fifty Shades of Grey movies just to see what she's bringing to those movies. Why not? Have you seen them? I know. No, I was thinking the same thing. Of like, if I really feel this strongly about Dakota, <clears throat> then I'm going to have to just give in and see her, you know, in her most infamous role. Yeah, I remember when she got cast in that I can't believe I ever thought this. And I know she's actually kind of a cool person too. So like, it's fine that I'm saying this, I guess. But I, I remember her sort of having like a Megan Fox vibe. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she's just like another Megan Fox, like cookie cutter girl. And I didn't know like the connection to Melanie Griffith or anything. And I I can't believe I ever thought that. So, you know, maybe Fifty Shades of Grey is in our future <laughs> here at the BSA. I but, know. Well, oh maybe for Valentine's oh. Day. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a supportive friend in that movie? I know. I I don't know. I don't know. I know. I like, there's just something about her that I just, I, she is so, so hot and so cool. So cool. She is so, she is so (laughs) hot and so cool. Eileen Davidson and Dakota Johnson. Oh my goodness. Are my Blanc Marcos? You know what I mean. They are. That's your holy I want, trinity of mothers. That's my, yeah. That's my holy trinity of mothers. It's yeah. It's like Dakota Johnson, Eileen Davidson, and like Brenda Vaccaro. There Those are my witches. Yeah. Um, but you know, if Olivia Coleman wants to cast a spell, you know, zippity da 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 do. You know. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that, like, what's so interesting with Dakota Johnson is that she does have some of that Megan Fox kind of, like, chill, quiet, low-key energy that could come across as a little bit deadpan or a little, like, kind of flat. But, like, it just reads to me as cool. Like, she's like Pearl from Drag Race. She's just so chill. And I think my favorite moment in this movie is when uh, Blanc, like, is rehearsing with her again. And, you know, they're going over some moves and, like, you know, she finishes it. And then, like, Susie says, sometimes I only have to be told twice. And, like, has this kind of mischievous smile. And I was like, that is so... Are you flirting with me, Dakota? You know? Yes, she is queen of the sort of side smile, like, flirtate. Yeah, I love that. That was almost my opening line. Um, because I thought that was, because the whole time she's like, higher, higher, higher. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what, bitch? I know what you want me to do. So right. cool it. And then to say, yeah, sometimes I only have to be told twice. It's such a fuck you. And I don't even know why, but it just, it's like Dakota Johnson can tell you fuck you without you even knowing, you know? Yeah. She did it to Ellen on her own show. I, I just love her so much. I love her. I love her. I, I'm just obsessed with her. And I just love when she enters that room at the end and in that sheer nightgown. And I was like, look at those boobies. You could do it anything you want. You are so beautiful. Yeah. I saw your little butt before. You are just human perfection, Dakota. <laughs> and she goes up to, you know, Mother Marcos, who, who's after Mother Marcos has maybe killed Madame Blanc. It seems she's not dead at the end. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, I that I'm not quite sure of. And it was like, you know, who is it that you are anointed by? And I mean, the high camp of Tilda Swinton as Mother Marcos behind those sunglasses in that prosthetic bag of baby arms going, Mother, Mother Superiorium. <laughs> and then Susie going, I am she. It's just, it is, yeah, right? Like, all of it is so insane. It all, it is high camp in some ways, but it is also high art. And I just, it's moments like that where I was like, that's what I love about this movie. It's just like that interaction right there. I feel like Heidi Klum needs to be Mother Marcos for next Halloween. You know, she was the worm this year. Yes. Go full Marcos next year for Halloween. The gays will get it. Absolutely. In the wheelchair, you know, I mean, it's just, and it's just so, I, I, I love just the disgusting notion of Mother Marcos. Like, I guess Miss Tanner, like, put her in a storage closet under, in the basement somewhere for a while. Yes. Like, it's just the idea of this old rotting witch has just been, like, stuffed away like the Christmas tree, you know, while they, like, prepare to do this <laughs> ritual to bring her back to life. Yeah, that's, like, me every winter, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> just wearing a hoodie and sweatpants and yeah, throw some and just, Cheetos in there and I'll be good. Yeah, scraping my nail against the floor, yeah. just <laughs> pointing at someone going, <laughs> I know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another moment where it was just like, I, I can't describe it, but I feel like if I was like 11 years old again, it would be like the moment I knew I was gay is when Tilda Swinton brings that huge white curtain across the floor. I loved it. It was so dramatic oh. and beautiful. And I love that. Yes, <laughs> I don't know why it stuck do- out to me. 
the in, in rehearsal when she's yes. like, you know, we're blocking out the mirrors, we're blocking out the windows, and yet, okay, what did she like kick something out of the way when she went to pull the curtains across the yes. window? Yes. Oh my god, that that I had never noticed before. She like kicks a you know something a, 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 like a stool or something out of the way. It's so Tilda Swinton is so interesting, like. Sometimes she's almost a little too weird for me to like appreciate the nuances, but like I and I feel like in this movie, obviously, like being Dr. Klemperer and Mother Marcos are much more like showier just in terms of like the makeup and the prosthetics and the transformation. Mm -hmm. But I feel like she is like she slips into the role of Blanc like so smoothly. Like she just I cannot imagine anyone else playing that role. No, it is total Tilda energy. Like she, I remember, um, I didn't continue watching it, not because it wasn't good. I just fell off of it. But what we do in the shadows, there was like a whole episode mm. where they had like all these famous vampires and um, uh, Tilda Swinton was like the queen of all the vampires. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And it told, it makes sense that she's a witch. It makes sense that she is a, in charge of this dance academy. Like, I want to wear everything she wears in this movie. Oh, oh my God. Those long gowns. Oh, it was like, what, awesome. what was her name? Jane Campion wore this to the Oscars. Remember? <laughs> yes. Jane. Jane Campion was being mother, was being Madame yes. Blanc at the Oscars. She was really channeling her. She was really channeling her and we just didn't see it. Oh, oh my God! I, I really, I think Tilda Swinton is incredible, and as Doctor Klemperer, I think is, it's a really beautiful performance, and I really think there's something about a woman playing a man that is maybe I'm enjoying it more. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it took me that long to remember that it was Tilda, so I, I bought it, and I didn't know she was Madame Marcos, but um, Madame Marcos, Mother Marcos, yeah. yeah, she's great. This should have been her Oscar. I, I, I don't know, or like a second Oscar, at least another nomination. It would have been such a cool nomination. Absolutely. You know, there's um in 1987, I think Linda Hunt got an Oscar for the Year of Living Dangerously. Okay. And she was playing a man, and I feel like it was, you know, it wasn't like a woman play. It was like she was playing a male character in the movie, and I feel like it was like such a big deal at the time. And I feel like, uh, hello. Tilda Swinton, uh, yep. you know, uh, move over, Linda. Listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. Uh, pass the torch. I mean, you know, here's Glenn Close as Albert Knobs. Like, you know, what am I? What am I, chop shit? I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I, I also love, and this is a, a maybe you saw this in that video that uh, Doctor Klemper's wife. Yes, is, uh, Anka is played by Jessica Harper, who played Susie in the original I Suspiria. Love so that was like you know, and like you know, for like people, like fans of the original movie knew that Jessica Harper was going to be in it, but no one knew who she was going to play. And the rumor was like, oh my god, is she going to be Mother Marcos? That'd be so crazy. And so no one was expecting, oh my god, she's Anka, and that just like heartbreaking little section where it was like. I'm trying to think of what it reminded me of where like somebody just like lives out this like fantasy interaction that they just like, I mean, it's clearly like a spell that the witches have cast on Klemperer to, to lure him back to the dance Academy. Yeah. But like, it felt like a, there was something about it that felt familiar of like, what would it be like to, you know, walk with your dead wife, you know, and, and have this, have her tell you some kind of story that makes you feel better or something, you know? Yeah. I totally fell for it. I was like, 
I don't know why this is happening, but I'm into it and it's so sweet. And but I'm also I was like, wait, why would she just go back now after all these years? Yeah. And then it all like, ugh, it's a very jarring end to that segment. Oh, it is, yeah, because yeah, it's just this this walk through the, and you know, they're going through the, you know, east to west Berlin or west to east Berlin, and you know, passing through the border, and you know, walking arm in arm, and then you know, they get to the dance academy, and he turns, and she's not there, and then out comes uh, Mrs. Ho- Miss Huller screaming at him, and oh my god, that was that moment is so cool because she's a, it's a smaller role, but she's a great featured ensemble. And she has this great moment where like, she says, you could have gotten your wife out of Berlin years ago. Uh, and when a woman tells you the truth, you don't pity her. And it was like, yes. Oh God, I love, like, I just love the roar of like, when a woman tells you the truth, you don't pity her. It was so, I mean, sometimes lines like that are a little on the nose, but by two hours into Suspiria, I was like, this is exactly what I need to hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She was giving That's me what it's about. <laughs> oh, what is her name? Here we go. $25,000 pyramid she played. Uh-huh. Um she's Oh, I think she's playing Queen Elizabeth and the Crown right now. Melda Staunton. Staunton. I don't know why or like a little bit of um Oh. Julie Walters. Maybe Julie Walters, out. maybe Julie Walters. Yes, more than that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, she's I mean a lot of, I think some of these actresses are are you know, like I think the woman who played uh Mrs. Ven, uh Miss Vendigast, Irene Cave, uh, Ingrid Caven. I think she's had kind of I think some of them are a little more like European actresses sure. who've had more of a career. I feel like this Renee Soutendik uh butchered that one uh who played miss huller I, I i feel like she seems like someone who's like somebody somewhere else you sure. know did you remember um or did you see uh the woman miss griffith who stabs herself in the neck is sylvie testude and i'm yeah. probably pronouncing that incorrectly but she was in the vian rose oh she her best friend Oh, it was like wow. Mamon was her name or something. Yeah, yeah, same gal. Oh my god! And I remember we talked about that. We were like, "Well, it's sort of a it's a small BSA role." Yes. Um, oh, I love that connection. How do you like that? And she kind of has like Juno Temple vibes a little bit, like with those big glasses. I don't know what it is. I mean, her. I'm like, what is she gonna do? And then she just like stabs herself in the neck. But oh, I was like, god, well, at least no. she got out. Right, right. She had to get out of there. Yeah, she was. Oh, she, she knew. Was, tragic little hamster yeah Um, well you know in some ways speaking of hamsters you know it's funny thinking of the witches i kept thinking that like Susie and sarah are kind of the luke and the bruno oh yes they totally are (laughs) and that brings us to sarah who i'm very excited to talk about because mia goth is um she's kind of become this like horror movie actress recently she was in this movie x and then the prequel pearl and then there's this other one maxine Um, and then she was in this and I, you know, I kind of always liked her in this, but watching it this time, I love Sarah. Oh God. She's awesome. She's like a real assistant to the BSA, I guess, perhaps. Yeah. Best supporting friend. Definitely assistant to the BSA. Definitely. I think, uh, she has such a, like in other movies, I I don't know what accent she's putting on in this, but I, I love her voice. I love, there's like so much in that voice that I could never do an impression of it, but it's like, um, there's like, it's a little bit of like a a slight lilt, a little bit of British, a little bit of like Swedish, you know? Yeah. I, I, I see that. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, but yes, Susie uh, or Sarah, who is, um, yeah, who who kind of becomes you know Susie's you know good friend at the dance academy, and um, you know it, it is wondering where where Patricia is, and and I I love that you know Doctor Klemperer tries to meet with her and have lunch with her and kind of show her Patricia's diary, and like Sarah is just like not having it. And I love that, like, there was then, like, then the next, you know, part of the movie where she then finds the the secret door and all that. I just love that there was a section of the movie that was just Sarah. Like, Susie was not even there. This was the Sarah section of the movie. Yeah, that was what, and I texted you that I was stressed because she was, like, in, in the bowels of the, I just, I knew she was going to get caught, but she didn't at first. It's like, the movie kind of right. tricks you. It's like that classic, like, walking down the hallway, opening doors. I'm like, she's so loud. Someone's got to hear her, but, uh, you know, her demise comes a little later. <laughs> yeah, in the original, it's similar to, like, this scene where, like, Sarah is kind of following, like, counting her footsteps. I believe she's counting her footsteps in the original one as well, and she finds, like, the secret door, and then, and then you know, she's she. it's like a bit of a, a, a chase scene in a pursuit, and she uh, inexplicably, like, running away, she dives into a room full of razor wire. What? It's wild it's really like i picture like play-doh going through like that spaghetti thing when we were younger you know what i mean essentially yeah (laughs) i mean it's really it's just like oh my god oh poor sarah so at least in this one she like you know uh i feel like certainly she doesn't survive but she i feel like she gets a more merciful end obviously from Susie by the end yeah i guess that's true i mean I really did like Sarah. I think like upon like a rewatch, if whenever that happens, um, I would love to look at her with a closer eye. But I I do feel like I got a good uh, like dose of Sarah this time around. I was I I was really compelled by her. I really liked when she went back into the dance, like when they fixed her like shin or knee or whatever it was. And then she's just like, I'm back. Oh my god, the eye acting that she's yeah. doing when she's in it, and that dance sequence is fucking amazing. It's so I mean, good, and it's like a real like number. It's like a, all of that was like based on like a real thing. Yeah. Oh god, that dance sequence is like I just it's like this. I I, I ascend, I, especially when they're all just like moving in unison, and the music is just like pumping, and, the and it's just. And the breaths and cuts to Sarah with those eyes. And I'm just like, this is it. This is it. This is what I love. This is all. all. Where's Brenda Vaccaro? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) And even um, like Susie's face paints. I'm like, what drag queen needs to do that? Because that's what I want to see. Oh, my God. That face paint is so cool. It's all so cool. It's just so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, I am also, I feel like one of my favorite, uh, characters is also Miss Tanner. Yes. Played by Angela Winkler. Loved her. Loved her. I actually, so, um, a few months before COVID happened, uh, I think Stacy from Gaylords of Darkness was working on putting together like a zine, you know, of like different, um, you know, things like, you know, they'd, they'd reached out to different people to like write or create something Suspiria related. They were going to put together like a little, you know, a little collection. I love that. 
Yeah, and so they had asked me to write something, which was which was really wow. uh, amazing. And so I wrote, and I the zine, I think it, with the timing, then COVID happened, and I think the zine kind of got shelved. And I was oh, like, oh my dang. god, don't worry about it. Like I get it, but I wrote. I'll have to send it to you. Yes. It's 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 the best supporting actress of Suspiria, and it's all about Miss Tanner. I mean, that last shot of her in that chair with blood all over <laughs> her face, like that's the still. That it that that's yes. the picture for the article. That that's yes. I I took screenshots of that little of that moment. That is. I think I paused. So, I think I paused and I just had to stare at it because I I didn't even know what was going to happen because the scene ended so quickly. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No. 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 I I love that. Like that stuck with you of too course. because I. That is so. It's like, first of all, the fact that Miss Tanner doesn't get killed. Because the logic, obviously, is that all of the witches who voted for Marcos, when we talk about the ending, we'll get into it, yeah. all get killed. But Miss Tanner voted for Marcos and was Marcos' Marcos's little lackey. And oh. I don't know why she got spared. But I just think that it was so interesting that she didn't get killed. And then there she is at the end. And it's like she she's sitting there watching, you know, the, the girls all kind of, you know, gathering in the in the you know rehearsal room and we just see the back of her and then she turns and she's staring at us she's not looking at any of yep. the other characters there's no one else in the scene it is miss tanner like spins around and stares at us and then the camera just zooms in on her blood splattered traumatized face and i was like what did i do to deserve this this is amazing i know and like so not necessary, I guess, but also like, thank God they chose that. Ugh, I just the, just give her one more. We're gonna leave you with this. Yeah, it was like the the choice. What I that's one of the things I just love about this movie is that in the end, instead of just like killing all the witches, we get moments with Mrs. Ven- Miss Vendigast. We get this moment with Miss Tanner. I love like. There's something interesting when more than one person survives. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I think or like who survives. Like there's something interesting about just even that like selection. And by all means, Miss Tanner would have been a character that gets killed in a movie like this. And so I love the implication here that she is she is always the head mother's right hand woman and hands being obviously a very important theme in this movie. And so instead of killing her, Miss Tanner is like, Nope, you're here to serve me now. I know. know? I love Uh, it. And I just love, and I think that is so amazing that like by the end, it's like, Oh no, the dance Academy is going to continue under the, under, you know, uh, the lead of Susie, I assume is what's going to happen. Yes. Um, but I, I but that Miss Tanner is then going to be relegated to be her assistant. Yeah, and like now she has it's like the perfect plan because she's probably so terrified of what could possibly happen to her that she's going to be the best second-hand woman ever. Right, right, and I just I love the switch from the beginning where she is kind of the like welcoming Susie in, like she's the first person that Susie meets at the academy. And then, like, you know, uh, I they have that very sweet scene where she tells her, like, oh, you know, w- w- you know, we can offer you free room and board. And Susie cries. Yeah. And, like, it's all very sweet, but they're also, like, grooming Susie to get her into the academy. And so just, like, the reversal of, like, 
And for you, the one who, you know, the, the first hook that pulled me in or thought she was pulling me in, I'm going to keep you closest, you know? Yeah, and little did she know that Susie was already playing everyone. That's the thing. That. And I think that is the reason, really. I mean, there's so many reasons to rewatch this movie. And I know it's a long movie, but, like, I, I've now seen it a few times, and I get something new out of it every time. And watching through the with the lens of knowing that Susie is you know, one of the mothers is it makes just this, it's a whole new movie. It's so good. Yeah. I'm going back to think it like when she's like, I know the dance. I know. I was like, that's kind of crazy that, you know, the dance, mm-hmm. the, the, the protagonist. Uh, but also like, how the hell did you get from like Ohio to Berlin to like watch her? You know what? Doesn't she say that she saw her a couple times or was it in the States? I think it was in the States, okay. but she did, like... Oh, yeah, like New York yeah, or something. Like, or, uh, yeah, like, saved up enough money to, like, take a bus to New York okay, or something so like that. Okay, so that kind of makes yeah. sense. But it just makes yeah. sense enough, too. But, like, if you know what we see is, like, she was just this, like, simple Mennonite family, like, that that doesn't add up. And... Well, I guess, oh, go ahead, sorry. oh, no, no, you got it. You the got last it. thing I was going to say real quick is that the mother kind of tells us that. Like, I, I guess it's kind of all is everything is, like, when shit's hitting the fan near the end where she's like my last daughter she's the one like the evil one she doesn't say that specifically but uh, she's telling us Mm -hmm. but i'm like what does that mean though and then we know yeah her mother like her last words are like and the and the youngest one or the last one she's my smear on this planet or on this earth or something and i feel like the question is like does did Susie know when did Susie know that she was Mother Suspiriorium? You know, did mm-hmm. did she have, like, was she just drawn here and then by being there realized, like, oh. Because I feel like there is something of an awakening that she has to her power that I think Blanc is a part of. Like, I think there is a whole reading into the, like, the incredible, like, lesbian undertones of Blanc and Susie. Yeah. And, Obviously, the importance of hands, you know. Yes. Um, but I, I really do feel that there is a narrative that like Blanc helped Susie come out as a witch. Yeah, I get that. Literally taking yeah. her hand um, uh-huh. and, and walking her through it. I do love that. I do love the analogy of like, what are you for this company, though? I thought that was like such a cool, like, are you the hands? Are you the hearts? You know, all these. And because it's so. You know, dance is so physical, but it's like, uh, where do you fit in here? Yeah, and the idea of being the hands, like I would, uh, the, the cliche answer would be like, oh, I want to be the heart of the company. I want to yep. be, the, you know, the the feet of the company. But to be the hands is so just like, uh, and there there is so much about hands in this movie, and so much about touch, and about when Susie puts those fucking gloves on, and just. I I that would be a whole other lens to watch this movie through is understanding what hands mean in this movie. Yes, see me with them hands. That's the name of that article. See me with the, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my god, yeah. Um <laughs> blow my head up with them hands. Oh my god, yeah. I know. Oh. You know, the you know, we haven't really talked about Chloe Grace Moretz's Patricia who is luckily not in the movie very much. She's just not my favorite. Yeah, I was just going to say you have like um yeah, she's just not your favorite. I wouldn't even say like a, a vendetta. It's just like a pass for you. Yeah, but there's a little bit of a like, oh, God, Chloe. Like, I, it's unearned. There's somebody else that I, I mean, I would say like, do I dislike her more than I dislike Nicole Kidman and the being you, the, the you know what's? 
Mm, I have to think about it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I really dislike both of them so much. I was, uh, first of all, I'm looking at IMDb right now because I wanted to see how old she was because she just always feels like she's 16. I know, I know. I So, okay, let's see. Okay. I can. Oh, she's an Aquarius. Right. She's born on February 10th, 1997. So is that oh. 25? She's 12 years younger than me, and I'm 37, so she's 20. She can't be 25. Isn't that crazy? That's not possible. That's the other thing that I, go ahead. 27 maybe maybe she's 20 don't make me do math i know right i don't i don't even care but another thing that i found out too is um do you know how old dakota johnson is without looking i feel like we looked this up in the last episode so i think my i think that she was born in like oh my god what if she was born in 1977 what if she was born the days of spiria came out (laughs) she really is oh my god it it was all meant to be Melanie Griffith is is she, the true is mother superiorum. Um. So, what is your guess? Oh, okay. I'm gonna say she was born in 1978. <laughs> I love that. Um. No, she was. Uh. It would be awesome if she was because. Oh my god! I know. I feel like she's either 42 or. Okay, I'll just. She's 33. She was born in 1989. I know. We did talk about this. It yeah. seems. I don't remember that conversation, so I apologize. I don't know where I was, but um, I wanted her to be like right where we were. I wanted her to be like thirty-eight or something. Yeah, thirty-nine. But now I'm in. You know, I I don't mind an older woman because I am very much in love with her now. I really do feel like watching her this week, getting to see that cute little butt. I really think. Um, I think I'm significantly less gay. I think it's it's done. Yeah, there's something about her. Yeah. She's in this. Um, what is this? Uh, Persuasion. Are you a fan of Persuasion? No, it's I know not. you love Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I'm more of a Pride and Prejudice gal. But I, I mean, with that being said, I don't really. I'm not well read with Miss Austin um, as far as just keeping up with all her stuff. But uh, maybe we'll have to watch it. We might. Let's see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if there's anyone else in here that we know. Um, Ooh, Henry Golding is in it. Who was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians? He's really hot for lack of a better word and his character's name is nick oh well um, must feel good oh richard e grant's in it i know him. him uh all right well uh why do i know who nikki amuka bird is why do i feel like we've yeah, talked about her it seems like someone who uh she was in the movie old you did you see old you loved old. i loved old i did not see it but <laughs> keon watched a like he didn't watch the movie but he watched like a 20 minute like youtube video about it because he just wanted to, oh like, see yeah it. Like sometimes I'll do that. Me. Where like I'll just let, let me just see like a recap of it. Tell me everything that happens, and then I don't have to actually sit through. I it. feel like if I did that, I mean, let's not get too excited. But I feel like if I did that for Texas Chainsaw Massacre and really just saw like, I might have to watch a couple of them just so I can get in the world a little mm. bit, have everything spoiled for me, and um, because you know, I'm so curious to see that dinner scene. I need to see it. And I, I have a picture of it in my head of what that looks like, but I don't know what it looks like. So maybe like it's scarier than I think it is. I mean, I know it's scary. It's pretty scary. I would say the what the dinner scene is at least it's it's so much more about like and this for anyone following along. We're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, yes, now, yeah. not the dinner scene. It's Asperia, <laughs> you know, which is not as scary. Um, I feel like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the dinner scene is 
people always say, oh my God, that scene is so crazy. And I think what I love about it is the the central focus of the dinner scene is the character of Sally, like losing her fucking mind. Yeah. And so like, it's, you know, there, it, it's not really violent. I mean, certainly it, it, it attempts to get violent towards the end before she jumps out the window. Uh, but um, it's so much more of just like this woman going to a 27 yep. acting wise. And it's, it's just wild. It's so much screaming. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I love that movie. I just think it's, you know, every frame of it is perfection. But I do think that it is not an easy watch, especially if you don't like horror movies. I think it's very stressful. Yeah, I feel like if I start watching now, I'll be ready by next Halloween. Just like two yeah. minutes a day or something like that. It's such a stressful movie. Like, oh, And I God. remember when I saw it as a kid for the first time, and I it was that feeling of like, I just want this to be yep. over. I just want this to yes. be over. I, please just be over. Like a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, but it'll always be there. Kind of, you know, uh, waiting in the wings. I know. Yeah. So, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, everyone. <laughs> like, so, Chloe go. Grace Moretz. That's what we have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe one day. Uh, well, not that we'll, we probably won't do any movies with her oh, in it, but, not. you know, maybe one day you'll see Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I do have um, to say, to put a button on the dinner scene in Suspiria, that final dinner scene where they're both at the, like, the heads of the table oh. and they're just staring at it. It's very Maya from Pen 15 during the, uh, the Anna Ishii Peters episode when she's like, uh-huh. when she has like that blanket over her shoulders. <laughs> Right, she's like the stare down. Yes, it's yeah. so perfect. Yeah, and I love that scene. I love how like Susie gets up and like moves to the to the you know yes. the head of the table so she can stare down Blanc and like Susie just oh like she just she's so fucking cool. I just I don't know how Dakota Johnson does it. Where like it seems in some ways like she's not lifting a finger, but she's just completely selling it. Yeah, I also like I'm obsessed with the placement of her wig. Like the hairline, because there's a lot of forehead there, but I love it. Mm -hmm. And the color of that wig, it's like not natural in a way, which kind of like adds up to the whole like, who is this chick? Yeah, yeah. Who is this, you know, from from the Mennonite farm of Ohio? Like, I love that, too, that like this. I love just that of like, oh, my God, this this beautiful witch was just like living this austere life in Ohio. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Just like the rest oh of us. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this ending yes. scene. Let's talk. So the end of the movie, you know, uh, the they're doing really. It, it's as if dance is some kind of you know ritual uh, because they've uh, I guess really you know uh, gotten all of the dancers drunk and um, you know hypnotized into joining them in this like lair under the academy where everyone's naked and well i guess all the women they've they've got something on but all the girls are naked and they're not even dancing at first they are in some kind of like like i don't know what i'm looking at like blue man group posing of their bodies i don't know if blue man group does this but it was that kind of like performance art posing of their bodies as if they were creating a like a human pyramid. Yes, I agree. It was, and it's so beautiful in a way too. Like when she walks in, like she walks down in that like amazing nightgown and Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is about to happen? Yeah. And they like the, and the scene, I feel like it doesn't linger on anything too long for you to like process. Like when you first see mother Marco sitting there in the wheelchair with Tanner, 
they don't sit on it. Like they don't spend it up. You have to kind of like go, wait, what the fuck was that? Yes. And then, and then there's so many other things to look at. Cause now here's all these naked dancers lined up. And then there's that, that big woman who just sit in a chair by the, you know, yes. the recorder. Oh my God. Now like balanced on two of their, I don't know, legs. I, she, I feel like she's like at the top of, like she's driving a ship built out of bodies. Yes. And she's like doing this chanting, deep guttural, you know, baritone singing. Yep. Yep. And Susie's just like watching it. I love, like, again, knowing what's going to happen. Susie's like, oh, look at all this. You don't, you don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know. This is bullshit, mama. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm the witch. Yeah. I'm the one. I, yeah. I, I, and like the scene starts and you could see Madame Blanc looking hesitant. And I'm like, why is she suddenly all like squirrely and weird? Like you can, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. It's like, she's trying to protect her in a way. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Why do you think that that's a part of this movie that I don't, I, I still haven't decoded is like decoded Johnson over here <laughs> is like, what is it that happens with Blanc? Because obviously, like, there's there is the election of who's going to be the head of the academy, and most people have voted for Mother Marcos, and I think so. In order to keep her as the head of the academy, they have to do this whole ritual, and they had to, you know, uh, kind of find the right girl in the academy who could um, help them complete this ritual to help bring Mother Marcos, you know, more back to life. Yes. And so I feel like. Blanc is she's already lost the election so to speak and I think at this point like she doesn't have anything to gain I don't know if she ever had anything to gain from Susie being their like next victim because if if Blanc was Blanc is like the Bernie Sanders of the of the dance academy yes like if she was ever to be allowed to be elected, I feel like she would do things differently. But things are under the rule of old, you know, uh, airbag, you know, Marcos. Uh, Marcos, and, you know, still using people to get what she needs. And so I feel like, you know, I, what I'd like to believe is that, like, Blanc could go rogue, so to speak, by the end of, like, Almost the way that what's her name in the witches, the you know oh, um, yeah. Jane Horrocks kind of is like I'm not a part of this anymore, you know. Very true, because the whole movie you think that um, Tilda Swinton is like the be all end all, and like to have uh-huh. her be killed so quickly and unceremoniously for like I mean it was a great shot though, like her in that like red like flowy like and her head oh like, yeah and the back of her neck it wasn't the front it was the back folks. Yeah, yeah. It's like it. It's like she like you have no spine. Yeah, like severs are at the spine. Like it's really insane. Um. So yeah. So I don't know if I fully understand what happens with Blanc, but that's one of the things that like I think is fun to revisit of this movie. Is like what is what's her journey from eating that chicken wing to this? Do you remember her eating that chicken wing? Oh, that was my first note. I wrote um, Susie and I, I labeled MB for Madame Blanc mm-hmm. eating chicken. Oh my God. The way she ate that goddamn chicken wing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I really think there's just, there's so much about that relationship that I don't fully get. Um, but I, I, I feel like it's, it's positive. You know, in some ways this ending very much feels like 
the prom scene in Carrie. And I wonder in what ways Madame Blanc is like the gym teacher in Carrie. Um, what's her name? Betty Buckley. Oh, yeah. I I mean, there's so much of a connection near the end between Madame Blanc and Susie, too. They're, te- they're talking telepathically. Yeah. There's even a line where Susie was like, I think it's Susie says, like, because you love me something like that. And even when Susie goes off script and like makes up her own choreography, mm-hmm. Madame Blanc is like, it's fine, but you got to like not do that again. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like in this new regime that Madame Blanc wants to build in within the dance studio, she sees Susie as being like the best version of like who she wants by her side. So she's mm. like, I don't want you to do this. You can like walk away if you want right run away together or something i don't know right i love that idea that like oh but like that there is like a sort of a an unrecognized or unrequited love of some sort there like there's something special that blanc sees in Susie, but what she wants from Susie is not what marcos wants from Susie. like it's i i i I love i mean it makes me want to just watch it again to just understand like what was going on between them because like i don't i don't think blanc I don't even think we ever saw like Blanc involved in any of the like violent scenes or any of the more like witchy scenes, you know? Yeah. I, again, it's like, it's, she's almost so above it all that like you don't mess with her because like she gives the commands, but really it's like, she's the most human out of all of them. She has, and I think like her coming, you know, at the top of the stairs, walking down, it's like, it's suddenly real that she realizes that she's going to lose Susie. When Susie gets there at the end, yeah, yes, yeah, sir, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's I love the conflict that like that Blanc is going through at the end, and and even she says right before she dies, she's like, "There's something wrong here. Something's wrong." Like she knows that, like, and the something's wrong is that like Susie is not this this final piece of the puzzle is a whole new puzzle that you're a piece of you know what i mean and i feel like she starts to pick that up and then marcos kills her and so we still don't know like well then what's going on and it's not until Susie says like i am she that it's like oh shit you're not our next like rosemary woodhouse you're not our next like you know you're gonna give birth to the son of satan you are you're gonna bring satan up from hell to kill us like the the reversal of that the calm reversal of that paired with mother marcos just going like what's happening and like just being this (laughs) disgusting bag i mean oh god i just think it's so cool it is cool. I'm I'm thinking more of like the fan fiction of the alternate ending. If Madame, oh, I'm getting everyone confused now. If Marcos did not kill Madame Blanc, would Susie have kept Madame Blanc alive and like the carnage? I think so. I think that that the you know what's interesting here is that you know the the final part of this whole thing, you know, is Marcos telling Susie, like, you know, reject all mothers, reject all, like, reject your mother. I'm your mother, Marcos. Now Uh it's all the mother you need. And then that ends up being the, like, reject all mothers, reject all mothers. And I kind of feel like, I mean, certainly everyone who had voted for Marcos is, is the ones who are killed, but I feel like 
Blanc, I think she would have saved. I don't think she would have had a reason to kill so. her, you know? Um, I don't know what would have happened between the two of them. And it seems that when, in an incredibly bizarre scene, when Vendigast is, like, cleaning up the next morning. Oh, God. And, like, lifts her up. As she lifts uh, Blanc's head up, it's like Blanc comes back to life. Yeah, the severed head from the back of the head just snaps up and she like goes oh it's like a ventriloquist dummy i was like what's it, what's happening right? here but it's like when you see the way that they were able to heal sarah's leg oh, i me? wonder if there's something that vendicast can do but then what happens to blanc where does she go she leaves the dance academy uh is there a sequel well there that's a beautiful question there was intent this was originally intended to be suspiria part one and there was going to be because uh, the original Suspiria, um, I there were like two other movies that Dario Argento had d- did that were sort of like loosely connected as a trilogy. I saw that, yeah. yeah. And like I don't think I've seen the other two, but they have great soundtracks. Um, and so <laughs> I think this was like if this was a big success, there would be a Suspiria Part Two, and maybe. I like to imagine that it would be set in like the eighties in New York, you know, like that's the fantasy, right? Yes. Um, But it's just, I don't think it's ever going to happen given, uh, you know, the, the the success of the movie. Um, But yeah, so I really think there was, there is an element of like, this is part one of a story. And there is a, a small post credit scene that it, (gasps) I know. And I didn't know until uh, I think, uh, Stacy or Anthony had mentioned on Gaylords of Darkness, but like, there's it's just this quick shot of um, Susie, like it seems like she's at a door, and I can't I can't tell what it is. It feels like it's a little Easter egg of something for that next movie, but it felt like she was visiting uh, somewhere or like she was making a, a you know her next stop after seeing Doctor Klemper at the end, you know. Ah, interesting. I love it. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I, I love also that ending with Dr. Klemperer where she, I mean, I love that it, it ends with like mercy, you know, where she mercy kills Sarah and Patricia and then goes to see Dr. Klemperer. And I, that whole scene where she explains to him what actually happened to Anka, um, and then it's so beautiful. It's so I did incredible. not expect to tear up during this movie, but I did. Yeah. And it's, and she just gives such a beautiful little delivery. And there is like Klemper just starts crying and, you know, explaining like just what happened that when she died, you know, she was cold, but she was not alone. She was not afraid. And she was with two yeah. women who made her not feel like she wasn't alone. And she says, you know, um, basically uh, you know she's like the the men in black gun or the little men in black pen she's like yes the memories of patricia of sarah of Susie, all of us you're you're all of us is gone you know i'm gonna erase all of this you know from your memory and i think that line of like we need guilt and shame but we don't need yours I know. Oh my god that is so genius and then just clears his mind of it and and you know, I love his little helpers named like Miss Sesame, Frau Sesame. Yes. <laughs> Frau Sesame, Miss Sesame. I know. Who, it's so good. Who has basically the last line in the movie? Yep. Where he's like, she does. he's like, who are you? She's like, it's me, Frau Sesame. Uh huh. <laughs> and that's the that's like the last actual line, other than the shot yep. of the house in the in the in the future. 
Yes. I just love, I love that. that. I love, it's so Miss random. Sesame. Miss Sesame, that's who I want to play. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she's always in the kitchen. The only other person I just want to mention quickly is just um, one of the dance instructors, Miss Milius, is played by Alec Weck, who is a big supermodel, I think, in, in the 90s, maybe in the early 2000s. But I, as a young gay watching E!, um, I was very familiar with because they'd show like they so much more about like fashion back then. But I was very familiar with Alec Weck, and so it was just like such a I can't believe she's in this Alec. She's so beautiful. It's such a it's such great casting. Oh yes, Miss Millie. Yeah. I see her now. Yes. Ugh. Anyway, I'm so glad you watched this. Thank you for taking the leap and giving it a go. Gladly. I feel like this was. You know, I will have no trouble sleeping tonight, and I got to see some great women. Yeah, a win-win. Yeah, yeah. It's it, your your catalog is is enriched. Um, yes. Oh my goodness. Well, the, oh my god, this was so fun, and I and I feel like we barely scratched the surface of Suspiria, but we just can't. Well, I'll, I'll never be able to fully understand this movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll have to go listen to your Gaylords of Darkness episode. I can't wait to yeah. dig in a little bit more. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was, uh, they're great. And like all of their Suspiria episodes are so good. They just really dig into it in the same ways that we were of like the fan fiction of it and what would happen with Blanc. Yeah. I think you'd get a lot out of it. So, um, lovely. But speaking of getting a lot out of things, you know, before we, uh, you know, plie away uh <laughs> we have one final segment this week our bsa of the week in which we clean out on an actor or performer or food or song or a thing or anything our lives is acting as the best supporting actress of our life uh Susie baby Susie banyan what do you got <laughs> <laughs> there we go i love that um i only have one bsa of the week it's I don't want to say a person, place, or a thing because they are things. I decorated the house for Christmas, and I know that's very contentious because, you know, where do you fall on that? Oh, live your spectrum? life. Oh, my gosh. Enjoy. Put up Christmas yes. decorations. Leave them up. Who cares? Yeah, no one's going to stop me, by the way. Like, I don't care. And if someone gets mad, I also... It doesn't even bother me. It's like I'm just trying to bring some joy into my life. Um, but I started decorating actually like last weekend when Keon was away in Austin and I found a whole bunch of lights at the Goodwill over the weekend that were like two ninety nine, and there were like 400 of them on one strand. I was like, this is what I need. Um, and there's always some great Christmas decorations at any Goodwill. Mm. Um, so hot tip for anyone. Uh, and I don't know, I just, everything was just, and it snowed today. So the Christmas spirit is alive and well. I was playing Christmas music all day as I worked, and I'm just really excited for the holidays. So uh, however you want to categorize that, it's uh, the sparkle season is here. Yeah. Oh, no, that's so exciting. I love that feeling, and I think put up the decorations, play the Christmas music. You know, I I heard a little bit of All I Want for Christmas is You on November 1st, and I was like, welcome. It's your yeah, time. Yeah, this feels good. Yeah, why are we re why are you resisting? This feels good. This it's what it exists for is to get us through the per first part of winter, you know? And I also love Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, there's no shade to Thanksgiving. It's like they just there's not really, you know, there's no Thanksgiving music. You can decorate a little bit for Thanksgiving with some pumpkins and stuff, which I still have a little bit of Thanksgiving flair around the house, but um you know, it's fine. Yeah. You know what? 
Who so what? Who cares? Live your life. So what? Who cares? So what? Yeah, who cares? Right. Live your life. <laughs> yeah. I only picture Fred Armisen saying. I, know. I mean, I guess he was the one who originated it. But um, how about you, Colin? Well, I think my BSA of the week. So uh, somebody very generously has put up. It looks like I don't know if there's more than six, but all six seasons of Kathy Griffin's My Life on the D List on YouTube. Ooh. And this was not a show that I watched very often back when it was on or I and I, I wasn't a Kathy Griffin gay. I, I didn't dislike her. I just maybe I was a little I, a little young. Like season 6 was like 2009. You know, I was like, "Oh my god, I 2009. That was like Whoa, yeah, that's years like ago. that was, Yeah, that was like when Chloe Grace Moretz was born, you know. And <laughs> yeah. so um but I like I I've been putting them on and like Particularly, like, so season five was amazing. Season six has had some good moments. But, like, it's, first of all, what's your thoughts? Have, have you watched My Life on the D-List? What What's your take? I've never seen a single episode. Oh, my God. Okay, well, that's great. That's awesome. Because I really think you'd get a lot out of it. There's so, like, the celebrities. Okay, I, what I'll do is I'll just send you the because it's like each ep- each YouTube video is like a six hour YouTube video with all the episodes from that season. Oh wow! So I'll send you the timestamps so you can see the scenes of Kathy with Liza. Oh my god, what a gift! With Kathy with Liza being her acting coach for her spot on Law and Order, like that's the <gasps> context. Oh my god, it sounds like a sketch comedy. It's thing. amazing. There's Bette Midler, Lily Tomlin. Um, oh my god, I'm like I'm playing. Uh, Carol Channing pops up. Whoa! I mean, she gets everybody. I, like people like Salman Rushdie. I mean, like <laughs> the number the people who pop up on this show, and she is just. And obviously, her mom is such a hoot. But like, it's it's just has some of the show not aged well. Has a lot of the show not aged well in terms of some of the jokes and whatnot? Absolutely, and that's part of what I love about it because it's like I'm not going to cancel Kathy Griffin. I mean, obviously, like lots of people have, but yeah. I she. I mean, there there is plenty of examples just in the episodes I've seen of the ways in which she is an ally, the ways in which like her heart is in the right place. These are jokes. I don't care that she uses the expression the gays or my gays. Who am I sure. to tell Kathy Griffin she can't call them the gays? She's Kathy Griffin. It's You know what I mean? Like, she's gayer than I am, you know? And so I... It really is like such a throwback to like what is not that long ago, but is a very different era in terms of just like, not that I'm like, oh, I yearn for the days when you could use the R word, you know what I mean? But like, it's not even that. It's just, there is, I guess, there is something a little bit refreshing about seeing somebody like just make the joke you're not supposed to make you know and in the same way that like bianca del rio or joan rivers you know i was just gonna say i was just gonna say that yeah it's that it's the same feeling it is so entertaining but she is even though she's kind of being like oh people can't people don't like her she's you know making inappropriate jokes she's so likable and she's so fun to watch and you can see her kind of winking at the camera you know what i mean like you know she's she's joking and she lets you in on that enough to know. And then there's also really genuine moments and like really human moments. And like, it's so good. I just, my life on the D list was so fucking ahead of its time. It is so funny. Um, I think you'd get a lot out of it. So I'm going to send you some clips to get you into it. And then you'll be off to the races. Please do. Oh my gosh. 
Uh, well, I don't know if you hear that creepy music in the background, but it indeed it is the Suspiria theme playing us off. I knew it. Yeah. I so, knew it all along. Um, watch where you step. Don't break the tibia. Um, <laughs> oh. Oh, I looked away during all those scenes, too. I know. Uh, but uh, where where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kochanov. Well. How about you? Oh, oh, pardon me. Well, <laughs> well. I was zoning because I was like, should I plug Lucy's Instagram, Lucy in the Berg? B-U-R-G-H. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yes, you, you should. How about you? Um, well, you can find me at Lucy and the Berg. Um, no, I... Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. You can find me on All Right Mary. We're currently covering Drag Ra- Dragula Titans on the main feed and Dragula Drag Race UK Season 4 on Patreon. Um, and, uh, you know, in details, you know, watch the space. Um, more importantly, you can find more of both of us uh, on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. Well, keep your peepers completely peeled because we have our second to last episode of Smash on Patreon this week. We are in previews. And uh, if you want to hear that and our discussion of the rest of season one of Smash and get early access to episodes just like this, you can go to patreon.com slash BSA pod. I can't believe it's almost the end of Smash. I know. It's uh, bittersweet. I know. I can't believe it. Yeah, it's been an accomplishment. I feel so good about it. (laughs) So, um, and that, as they say, is that. (laughs) 